Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome to the Second Tier Preview Show brought to you by SBK. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the blue card to my red card. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, Justin, Justin. It's a preview show. And you know what? I'm excited, baby. I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm, I'm also quite intrigued about this blue card you know, Sinbin idea as well. Although you, judging by your sigh then, are going very old-fashioned with it. Oh, why are they changing the game? It's not really that, but it's just... If you're going to be well cautioned or reprimanded for being a bit of an arse to the referee or being cynical, be fast, just get a yellow card. And if you commit another one, it's a red card. I think going off for five, ten minutes or whatever so it's going to be. You are very much going old-fashioned here. It, it, it I just sounds like my it. yellow and red cards. But do you know what I mean? Like people moan about VAR. This is going to piss people off even more. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit firmly on the side of the fence where um, I'm. I want football the good old-fashioned way with with technology. Okay, fine. Good old-fashioned way with <laughs> technology. Fine. I think it's a good idea. It's not. I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it would work out in actual you know time because right now i'm just picturing it but like as as it actually happens will we just see a massive reduction in red cards will we barely ever see red cards it's quite interesting to think about it is i guess um but at the same time like are we going to see several players go off for a simbin at the same time where is the simbin going to be We've not even discussed this. Where, where, the, where are the players going to sit in a sin bin? It's going to be those bins that the kids were kicking footballs in at Ewood Park at the yeah, weekends, especially <laughs> up in Blackburn. That's where they're going to be. But where, where are they going to go? And plus, I think it's this is a this is a serious point. Players are going to be sat there for five, ten minutes, or however long it's going to be. They're going to they're going to stiffen up. They're going to lose the the warmth in their muscles. More muscle injuries on the way, ladies and gentlemen. More muscle injuries are coming. That's why they need a nice warm bin. And everything will be <laughs> nice fine. Um, speaking of people basically sat in the bin, that's what Duncan Maguire is doing for the next <laughs> six months at Blackburn now, isn't it? <laughs> but we'll get onto that very shortly. Welcome to the Number One Championship Podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is indeed a preview show. So we're going to be talking about some of the games coming up this weekend, including a huge game between two very out-of-form sides in the championship. So we'll get onto that very shortly. And also the latest on Blackburn and what the hell's going on there. It just seems to be going from bad to worse with them, doesn't it? We're also going to make our predictions, our bankers, our outsiders, and then we're going to finish things off with Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. So let's begin with our game of the weekend, Justin, and it's El Shitico. It's Blackburn <laughs> v Stoke. Since the start of December, these two have played a combined 23 league games and won just three. They are both so appallingly out of form that it's led to us speculating about them potentially going down in the last week or so, which makes this a bit of a six-pointer, really, doesn't it? And 
this is why this week that Blackburn have had hasn't been ideal preparation at all, has it, Justin? My goodness, as far as bad couple of weeks ago, it's it's been it's been rocky. If Carlsberg did bad weekends, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think we all know where mm. that would go. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. It's been bumpy. It's been I would even say a roller coaster because it's it's that ride at Alton Towers Oblivion where it's just down. There's not been any ups at yes. all over the past couple of weeks. It's just down and it is down fast. It is not nice being a Rovers fan at the moment. And I, I do feel for the supporters, but unfortunately it gives us a lot of talking points and a lot of points to um, to really pull them up on and, and sort of poke a little bit of fun at, but it is all in jest. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been disappointing and not ideal preparation for what I feel is a massive, massive game for both sides because QPR have been resurgent of late. And if they pull off a win against Norwich at home, crikey, both sides will be sweating. They will be sweating. Again, I will point out Justin's talk about QPR being resurgent. And yes, they are. They're in said form. In form. <laughs> you're you're talking games. about you're talking about two teams here in 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 Blackburn and Stoke who aren't in form. They're not in form compared know, to QPR. Justin. QPR are in form. <laughs> okay, that's the standard of form at the bottom <laughs> of the table now, apparently. But you are right. This is a huge game, and if either side win, if if one of these two teams win. That's a huge feather in the cap for them and hopefully will be a turning point. For the other one, though, it just compounds mm. that misery, which is getting even more miserable as the weeks go by for both these teams, really. But, I mean, Blackburn are probably the team more miserable out of the two. It comes after Blackburn's appeal to sign Duncan Maguire was rejected by the EFL this, of course, comes after someone didn't submit the application to put the move through. They only sent it. By the way, I've seen reports that the person who did that may genuinely be losing their job. That's which harsh. seems very harsh, doesn't that is it? That harsh, yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Like, look, I know we've had a bit of fun at it, but we all make mistakes. You make lots of mistakes. You, you know, you things wrong on social media all the time don't you Ryan just to just to pull you up but I do things I, I mean I'm near perfect um okay yeah of course yeah um but, but, but people get things wrong a lot and it's I think it's unfair for him to to lose his job because Blackburn aside from that person who didn't submit the or, or, or the person who saved the um transfer or whatever documents Blackburn are a shit show Behind the scenes. And I think that uh, sacking that person or removing that person from their role is just uh, papering over the cracks a little bit. Do you think the move should have gone through? No. No, you could, they didn't send it. They didn't submit it, did they? they just, yeah, uh, but it was a genuine human error, wasn't it, Justin? And I, th- I don't really know how I feel about it. I mean, the EFL, if they let this go through, then it sets a precedent for other clubs, doesn't it? But I think it is a bit harsh to not let it go through, considering it is a genuine human error. No, but Blackburn have done this twice before. So it's not true. exactly it's 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 not exactly a, a, a I know we've gone over it already but it's not exactly untrodden ground for for Rovers and and whoever's the admin person mind you if they've done it three times then maybe maybe clearly not very good at that job no <laughs> well at the time of reporting there's been no confirmation uh, at the time of recording rather there's been no confirmation over the future of Jan Dahl Thomason despite several reports saying that he's set to leave the club there may be some sort of update on that in the coming hours before this huge game against Stoke Justin but other reports are saying that John Eustace is said to be his expected replacement what do you think of that? I, I don't know if he's going to be in charge for this game. It may be a bit too soon for that. But do you think he is a good replacement for JDT if he does indeed go? Look, I, I like the prospect of John Eustace quite a lot. I think a lot of clubs probably should have 
maybe look to him. I say a lot of clubs, the clubs that I've been without a manager in between him being removed or sacked at Birmingham or whatever, when he left Birmingham to, to now, I think a lot of clubs could have looked at him. But I think Blackburn are a good fit for, for any young manager who who has a balance of a style of play. He's got a young squad to mould. There's an element of Mowbray about John Eustace as well in terms of personality, which I think will go a long way. Um, he's good at working with youngsters. He's good at working against the odds as well and in difficult circumstances. And my God, do Blackburn look like they're operating under difficult circumstances at the moment? Um, and yeah, I just I just think he's, he's a good fit for a team who are down on their look need improving and he's got a lot to prove as well because we've not seen I don't think we've seen the best of John Eustace and he's got a good squad at his disposal a lot better than where they are at the moment in the table yeah well his stock is high isn't it because he's been he's one of those managers who's been in a bit of a strange situation where he was doing so well and then you know removed from his position when it just wasn't justified at all so he's been unemployed, but he is looked kind of favourably upon more so than he would have been if he got sacked, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And while I do think he is a very good manager, um, his stock is maybe a bit higher than it actually should be. Having said that, I think he's a safe pair of hands. I think he's probably exactly what Blackburn need right now, apart from, I mean, if they, if I'm saying exactly what Blackburn need right now, maybe someone like Tony Obrey, for example, would have been exactly yeah, what yeah. Blackburn would need right now, ironically, considering he was there not too long ago. But I think I think Eustace is a really good appointment. I think this is a good appointment for Eustace as well, because it gives him a chance to, you know, pretty much wipe the slate clean with Blackburn, mould the club into his own image, develop young players, which Blackburn have a lot of. And just ultimately take them in the right direction again, because this has been a pretty gruelling two months for them. And, you know, John Eustace, he's a very respected man in the game. And I think it would just be the right move for everyone involved, really. Yeah. Would you be confident in saying Blackburn will comfortably move away from the bottom three in points? If wise, John if John Eustace in, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I know Blackburn are kind of sinking without a trace right now. I don't think I would still be quite surprised if they actually genuinely did go down. If they get John Eustace in, I, I, I don't want to completely rule it out, but I would be pretty much on the edge of saying, yeah, they're gonna stay up. Got another question for you, actually, John Eustace okay. and John Andal Thomason in the summer. Whose stock would you say would have been highest in the summer before the season started? Because if I was to go back to oh. the summer, I think I'd well, rather have Thomason. Well, yeah. Thomason probably would be the winner there because if you look at how Birmingham did in the second half of last season, yeah. they didn't do very well at all, did they? Um, whereas Thomason is coming off the back of a great first season at Blackburn. Admittedly, they didn't play particularly well, um, even though they were so high at the table. But I think uh, Thomason's stock would have been higher, hence why he was being linked with you know international jobs as well as the final job, yeah, yeah, which yeah. still seems bizarre to me. <laughs> at this stage in particular where everything's just gone so off the boil for Blackburn. Um, but let's talk about, you know, Blackburn's opponents in this huge game, Justin, and that's Stoke. And they will have probably been looking at what's going on at Blackburn and just been laughing, mustn't they? Because this is exactly what they need before such a huge game. The other side being in complete and utter turmoil. They've, of course, not been in great licks themselves, though, heading into this with their form. And, Justin, I've got a question for you, because you were a big cheerleader for the Stephen Schumacher appointment when that happened. Are you changing your mind at all on that, based off how things have started off? No, because I think every appointment Stoke have made has actually been the right appointment. I just think the club's an absolute mess behind the scenes. They don't seem to be run by anybody. There doesn't seem to be a leader at the very top. 
So again, if I if I reel off the managers that they've had, I think Guy Rowett was a very smart appointment at that time. Um, I think Nathan Jones was also a smart appointment. I think Michael O'Neill was a very good appointment. I think Alex Neil ticked all the boxes as well. It, but it's just not worked out because unfortunately, the stars, I say the stars haven't aligned because that's, I, I think that's actually a, a wrong statement to make because I don't think it's it's about luck with Stoke. I think it's it's a case of they they haven't planned anything post relegation from the Premier League, and now that is a long, long time ago, um, and we're still in this position where the squad is out of balance. There's been a lot of um, players come from overseas who are seemingly still fitting into the team, to the club, to the to you know settling in and whatnot, and they've had two managers to go through. Um, uh, so I, st- I, I think Stephen Sumac is the right man. <laughs> I just think it's the wrong club, in, in, in a sense, if that if that makes any sense, because you've got to pick your clubs, and I think Stoke's a, a bad one to pick, but just because there's nothing behind the scenes that gives me any confidence that they're going to get out of this uh, funk that they've been in well, for the last six, seven years. Just in, This is exactly what I was saying at the time, and you scowled at me for even suggesting that was the case, because look, I, I think Stephen Schumacher did a great job at Plymouth. His stock has been high, hence why he got the job in the first place, but I just don't think it's it's going to work, because Stoke as a club have struggled for so long, they've had so many different managers who have been good appointments, and it's still not worked for whatever reason, even if the squad is looking pretty good as well. It's just never worked out. And I don't think Steven Schumacher's a good enough manager at this stage in his career to turn that ship around, unfortunately. And that's what I'm saying now. And it sounds like you're coming around to my way of thinking. Well, I think the only thing I'll balance that out with is he's only been there for six, seven weeks, not six months. Um, but you are right. I think it's going to be an interesting test of his uh, metal as a manager because he's... You know, it's going to be in a relegation battle. Let's let's be honest. Stoke are, are not in a favourable position um, above the bottom three at the moment. And as I say, it's going to take a, a short swing of results to drag them right into it. So it's going to be an interesting interesting battle for him. Uh, and we're really going to see how how effective he is as, as a manager because he's he's. I wouldn't say he's had it good at Plymouth because he's had to work hard to get to to where Plymouth are. Um, but he's not had this situation where the club's a mess and. He's battling. He's battling a, a downturn in, in form. Well, he could really do with a win this weekend, couldn't he? So let's make some predictions, Justin. And that means it's time for our second tier bet builder with SBK. And with SBK, you can create your own bet builder with a range of markets for any championship game. It's easy, fast, and secure on the SBK mobile app. And you'll find substantially better odds there than at any other bookmaker. So every Friday, we're making our own bet builder with four selections all relating to our game of the week. So that's two for Justin and two for me. Justin, what are your selections? I've gone with both teams to score and Sammy Schmodix to score as well. I think if I played Blackburn at the moment, I think I would get a goal against him. So let alone Stoke, who are a lot better than me as, as, as a collective group of footballers. And although they've been goal shy of late, they do they do create chances under under Stephen Schumacher. And in addition, I think Blackburn are a good attacking side. So I think that both teams to score is, is a good bet. And obviously, Sammy Schmodix, joint top scorer in the league with Morgan Whittaker, about to get a goal. May I take this opportunity to point out that Justin initially said he wanted to pick both teams to score and over 1.5 goals. I was this busy. Before I, wasn't I made him aware that both teams to score and over 1.5 goals are essentially the same thing. This is what I'm having to work with, people. Oh, we all make mistakes, off. Ryan. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> um, my selections for the bet builder are 
Ben Wilmot to score and full-time result to be a draw. Now, Justin is sniggering for some reason, but Blackburn have conceded more goals from set pieces okay. than any other team in the Championship. See, now he's nodding his head. That's what he gets for being judgmental. Another mistake <laughs> that he's made. Um, yeah, Blackburn have conceded more goals from set pieces than any other team in the Championship. Stoke, Stoke don't score many, but a large portion of their goals do come from set pieces. And Ben Wilmot is back in the team after a long injury layoff. He's got a decent goal-scoring record, so we'll go for him to score in this one. And full-time results be a draw. I really struggle to split these two teams apart, both in horrible form. And it's difficult to make an argument for either of them winning here. So that's why I've gone for a draw here. And a £10 bet with SBK on that returns £549.45. That's £549.45. New SBK users can take advantage of £30 in free bets when you place your first £10 bet. T's and T's apply over 18s only. Please do gamble responsibly. Those selections again, both teams to score, Sammy Schmodix to score, Ben Wilmot to score and full-time result to be a draw. So let's have a look ahead to the weekend, Justin, and make some predictions. And in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but is bigger odds with the bookies than their opponents. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. It's one point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a CrossFit workout for myself, while Justin has to a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back. And the scores are 34-21 to myself. I strengthened my lead even further last week after Southampton beat Rotherham. Justin drew a blank after Watford lost to Cardiff and Stoke surprisingly didn't beat Leicester. I haven't written down the score for that, Justin. Can you remember what it was? It was boring, boring Leicester. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Five nil. Um, Justin, what's your banker? <laughs> I've gone with, uh, I've gone with Southampton to beat Huddersfield. Now, given Southampton's record, unbeaten record, that is, it's hard to make an argument against them. But this game is quite significant. Obviously, you've got Southampton pushing for the automatics, and Huddersfield really they need results to to pull themselves away from QPR. Who, as I will bang that drum, they're in form. Um, and and I think if you've got um, if you've got a lead side breathing heavy down your neck, the importance of getting a win here, even against a side who are down um, down at the bottom of the table, is, is, is a hugely, hugely important thing. And you can't you can't take anything for granted. You can't take anything for granted in the in the championship. And Huddersfield are unknown quantity. Unknown quantity. We beat beat Sheffield Wednesday heavily last week, um, and they're coming into this game with a big swing of confidence, and they pressed well um, at times against uh, Sheffield Wednesday last week. And I think that's going to be that's going to be a big um, a big factor for for Huddersfield. It's going to be a, a big thing, especially Southampton playing that ball from deep. Huddersfield are going to want to attack and press and make their mark because it's a bit of a free hit sometimes. This, these these sorts of games. Yeah. Well, this is an obvious banker, and I'm sure it'll be one which features on plenty of accumulators this weekend. I've just got a sneaky yeah. suspicion about it, though. I can't really explain it, but I've I've just got a sense that Huddersfield could get something here. I may look very silly on Saturday evening when people play this back to me, but I've just got a sense, Justin. It's one of those things that's in the bottom of your stomach convincing you that maybe just... I mean, I've had that quite a lot with Rotherham this season and it's never come in. So I'm actually just going to go with my gut and, and, and go harder and go with Southampton because look at the quality that they've got. They've got Adam Armstrong. They brought in David Brooks. Um, Joe Rothwell's come in as well. 
they're just overwhelming amount of quality. But there is that unknown aspect of Huddersfield um, under John. It's John Worthington, isn't it, as, as a caretaker manager? So it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those things where they might turn up and actually give Southampton a big game. But it's at St Mary's. It's going to be one of those where. Um, so, you know, the crowd's going to be up if they don't get an early goal the crowd might get up on them and it might give Huddersfield a chance but as I say that quality that the Saints possess you just cannot cannot look past it I'm sort of saying that nervously now because I'm almost convincing myself the other way but <laughs> but let's be honest Southampton are up there for a reason yeah they are they absolutely are and there's a reason why Huddersfield are down there as well yeah. so all logic involved in this means that Southampton should win I've just got something in my mind <laughs> that is telling me this could be a bit of a banana skin for them. Um, but we'll wait and see on that. Now that Justin's made it his banker, it's almost certainly a banana skin. Five near Huddersfield. <laughs> my banker for the weekend is Hull City to beat Swansea City. Now, I could have picked Leeds to beat Rotherham or Southampton to beat Huddersfield, but you know what? I don't need to, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is my equivalent to showboating <laughs> at this stage. Having said that, this should be three points for the Tigers. There's optimism around Hull right now after the brilliant transfer window they just had. Fabio Carvalho, Anna Sorori, Ryan Giles, et al. Carvalho's had an exciting start. Sorori nearly scored a goal of the season contender on his debut at the weekend. And Jaden Filigine's back as well, a player who's been on fire this season, missed a month or so through injury, scored on his return at the weekend so that is very exciting and it's just an extremely exciting time to be a Hull fan it's it's all well and good having the best transfer window in the league but they need to make the most of it and actually get a top six Mm -hmm. place and if they're going to do that they should be winning games like Swansea at home especially because Swansea is struggling and it seems to be going under the radar how much they're struggling we've been talking about Blackburn being dragged into a relegation battle Stoke being dragged into a relegation battle well, Swansea are on the same number of points as Blackburn mm-hmm. and have lost four of their first six games under Luke Williams. So we may have to open the relegation battle can of worms with them as well soon. Are you worried about them, Justin? There's a there's a little element of me being slightly concerned about them. But to be fair to Luke Williams, Southampton, Leicester and Bournemouth in the FA Cup are three of your first five games in charge. Now, that being said, not been overly convinced by the performances just yet, nor has Luke Williams really convinced me of my reservations I had about him, uh, or certain reservations I had about him, because there are a lot of defensive issues at Notts County. You know, you're sort of hoping that they haven't followed him to South Wales, but it's looking like they, they have because Swansea don't look as solid as they need to be. They are getting in good areas, but they're not putting the ball in the back of the net. Now, you had your concerns about Jerry Yates in the summer, didn't you? And it's sort of coming to fruition now because he hasn't he hasn't been finding the net on a regular basis at all. And that's putting it politely. And that's the big thing for Swansea. They've not got a prolific striker. They've not got a Joel Pirro anymore. And I think that's the, the big thing that they're missing. Yeah. Well, th- there's a reason why Jerry Yates is struggling just now. He's not very good. That's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you are right. To be fair to Luke Williams, you know, Leicester, Southampton, Bournemouth in the Cup, some tricky games in there. Having said that, they also gave Plymouth their yes. first away win yes. of the season. And Hull is a tricky test. And they just have so many players who can hurt you if you aren't careful. And if these past few games are anything to go by, then Swansea aren't very careful at all. So they could very well get exposed quite badly 
by Hull in this one. So there are mine and Justin's two bankers for the weekend. Every week, we combine these two selections with a bet on the full-time results of our game of the weekend to create our very own second-tier featured multiple with SBK. So this week, we're going for Hull, Southampton, both to win, Blackburn and Stoke to be a draw. And a £10 bet on that returns £78 with SBK. And you can create your own multiple with three more bets on the full-time results of any game from across the championship. T's and C's apply over 18s only. And please do gamble responsibly. That again is Hull and Southampton both to win. Blackburn and Stoke to be a draw. And a £10 bet on that returns £78 with SBK. Let's have a quick break, Justin. After that, we'll reveal Outsiders for the weekend. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and it's now time for us to reveal our outsiders in the championship this weekend. So come on, Justin, what have you got for me? I've gone with West Brom to beat Ipswich away. And that's a tricky one, but West Brom are outsiders for a reason. Now, I'm going to jump ahead of uh, the narrative here and say, I'm not anti-Ipswich. This is an outsider for a reason. Okay, listeners, people on, people on social media, Ryan, this is an outsider for a reason. West Brom have lost the last three away games. Actually, their away form's not very good. They've won just four on the travels all season. Only only one team as well is taking three points away from Portman Road, which was Leeds earlier on in the season. So Portman Road is a very difficult place to go and get your points or, or your wins, unless you're a uh, National League South side, of course. Bit of a dick there. That being said, Ipswich are in a moment. They're in a moment. And that calamitous performance or spell against Preston... West Brom are going to sniff that they, they, they're going to take it as well they're a team that just seizes those moments because they have to because they don't have an abundance of sustained quality like a uh, like an, in, in the final third that is like an Ipswich like a, a Southampton Leeds they have to take their moments and defend them and they do it very very well I think Ipswich will find it very very difficult and as I say they give teams chances they gave Preston three they gave Maidstone two and those teams have been taken West Brom one of the clinical sides that will do that I could have bet so much money on you picking Ipswich to lose this weekend. You probably could have. A very predictable human being I am. But they could have played They are anyone, in a moment. Anyone in the league and you would have backed them to lose But let's be weekend. honest, Ipswich, I would want to play them right now because they don't look comfortable and confident at the back. They're making a lot of mistakes. They do score goals, but they give you a lot more chances than you, than you think as well. And if you go back to that Maystone performance... They weren't taking their chances at that point. Okay, they 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 were they were unlucky. They were unfortunate. They hit the woodwork a few times, but I think it's a good time to play to play Ipswich, and I think West Brom will be licking their lips um, at the at the prospect of uh, strengthening their position in the top six. I find it interesting though because you're saying Ipswich have got no chance of finishing in the top two, right? Mm, why not? But you think Sheffield Wednesday still have a chance of staying up? Well, I think there's there's a slight chance of Sheffield Wednesday staying up. I would 
rather bet a little bit of money on Sheffield Wednesday staying up than saying Ipswich will be better than Leeds and Southampton come the end of the season. Well, it just seems a bit bad to me that you're completely rolling out a team who have only lost four games all season from finishing in the top two. When they're only two points behind, but you're not rolling out a team staying up when they're eight points from safety. I'm and thinking four six in 30 games I'm, this I'm... season. And you're dispelling all ideas of you having a bit of an agenda against Ipswich, Justin. But this doesn't really support those claims, does it? Listen, I don't like tractors, I'll be honest. They... <laughs> it's... Tractors, they piss me off. It all makes sense now. They piss me off. Um, so it's probably more to do with that. There might be an unconscious bias there because tractors take a, a lot, too much room on, on, on roads and I live in an, a very rural area and they're everywhere and uh, they're a bit of a pain in the ass to get around. But it's got nothing to do with the football club. I'll, I'll point that out. But you were saying there, looking at the past, I'm, I'm looking forward and it's which have got to be better than Leeds and Southampton, which is a lot harder, I think, than Sheffield Wednesday better, uh, being better than Blackburn, Stoke, um, and QPR. But they've been pretty rubbish all season, Justin. But I'm looking forward. I'm thinking positively. Okay. Up the Wendy's. Fine. For owls over tractors. I can, <laughs> I can see how it is now. Um, let's go to my outsider then. And my outsider is this. It's Birmingham to win away at Sheffield Wednesday on Friday night. Just talk about Sheffield Wednesday. Well, here they are. Um, Sheffield Wednesday's survival hopes are fading. I, I wouldn't say they're on life support, but it feels like they're on their way to the hospital. Eight points from safety now. And if they want to stand any chance of staying up, this is a game they've got to win. Will that happen, though? Well, recent form isn't on their side. They're winless in six, conceding four goals in the last two games. That includes a relegation six-pointer against Huddersfield last weekend. So you've got to imagine confidence will be pretty low after that. But it's also um, they're coming off the back of them taking a bit of a thumping by Coventry in the Cup in midweek as well. So keep in mind, this Wednesday squad isn't the biggest in the first place. They've had a few days less rest than Birmingham. So all in all, there isn't really much going on their side heading into this one. And Birmingham are only four points above the bottom three. And they're amongst a clump of teams who are only looking over their shoulder. However, I can pretty confidently right now say they won't go down because that's mainly because Tony Mowbray is an extremely safe pair of hands. He's steadily turning the ship at Birmingham. A great example of that is giving West Brom a really tough game last weekend who eventually won through a late goal. But you've got one team on the up, another team slowly watching their chances of staying up, fading away and it's fading away pretty quickly at this stage I think yeah Sheffield Wednesday's transfer business over this, uh, January which wasn't good enough was it uh, and I think when you take into account that the pitch is as chewed up as it is I know I've just sort of been banging the drum that Wednesday will they do have a chance of staying up and and, and actually you making the reference to them being on life support uh, or not life support actually it's on the way to hospital is actually probably a bit of an indicator that you also give them a slight chance of survival just going to point that out there I never said they didn't. Okay, that's fine. We both agree on something. We'll but move on. Anyway, Justin, it's for Birmingham, would you say they're steadily turning the ship? It certainly are, certainly are. As I say, I think Tony Mowbray is one of those managers who is a good captain of a ship. You know, you you expect him I to... I can imagine him as a captain yeah, of a actually. ship. Can you imagine him with it's... a sailor's hat on, you know, one of those big coats on? And a pipe. He's got the, yes. he's got, he's got the face for it, hasn't he? Mm, he's got the face yeah. for it. No, I don't. I don't mean that disrespectfully. There are some handsome captains out there, I imagine. 
but he's yeah he's certainly got a face for it but i don't know if they smoke pipes anymore he just he just doesn't have that beard but um that's by the by but uh, i don't think he needs a beard don't think he needs a beard in this situation i think he if i walked past him in the street and he was wearing a sailor's hat big coat parrot on his shoulder i'd say you walk past a guy in a street in a big coat parrot on his shoulder (laughs) what are you going to do that, I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's <laughs> a weird it. thing. Anyway, they're so far away from the ocean. We've, we sort of digressed a little bit, but <laughs> yes, I, I do think Birmingham will be fine. But as I say, there's a, there's a lot going on um, at, at Sheffield Wednesday. That probably plays, that plays into Birmingham's hands a little bit. The defensive transitions against uh, Huddersfield, they were done on the counter very, very often. They were opened up very, very often. Birmingham are licking their lips at that because they're a side who are very good on the counter-attack and especially under Tony Mabra who is good at coaching that into his sides. The pitch, as I was mentioning before, we got distracted. The pitch is a big thing. The pitch is awful. And Sheffield Wednesday have got a lot of injuries. Callum Patterson's out. I, that's the only one I can remember off the top of my head, but there's a lot of players out injured. Um, I know Danny Rawls left some spaces in his squad for, for free agents, but you know, time's running out to, to, to bring those in. And also you're gonna be you're gonna be losing out on um you know, experienced players are gonna be losing out on their places as well for the for the twenty five. So that might cause some disruption. So yeah, there's a lot of variables here working against Wednesday, so it's very hard to say Birmingham aren't going to be... Well, I'd, I'd be back in Birmingham in this game. Yeah, well, I'd be back in Captain Mobes in this one as well. And if you fancy that, you can get a 25% winning boost when you place a bet build on Sheffield Wednesday v Birmingham City with SBK. T's and C's apply. You have to be over 18 to gamble. That's a 25% winnings boost when you place a bet builder on Sheffield Wednesday versus Birmingham City on Friday night with SBK. Now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Kiss, yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. And this is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions and this week, Justin is providing the questions to me. So what have you got for me, Justin Peach, you bastard? I want you to rank the Stoke managers based on their winning percentages, highest Ooh. to lowest. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, there are some there's some crackers in here. I should have gone a bit more niche, but I think you'd have questions about who they are. So you've got Gary Rowett, Mark Hughes, Michael O'Neill, Tony Pulis. Okay, fine. I thought you were going to go strictly in the championship. That's fine. Um, well, I... I I think Mark Hughes was pretty shit at Stoke, so I'll put him bottom. Um, I mean, Pulis was just there for so long that it's really hard to put him, really nail down where he's mm. going to be on this. Um, Rowerton, who was the other one? Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill. I mean, Michael O'Neill was pretty bang average. And I think, no, I'll put Hughes bottom, Rowett second bottom, then... O'Neill Pulis, I think, although Pulis was in the Premier League for a long time, wasn't he? But I'll put Pulis top. You've completely effed that. Oh, it is okay. all the way, all the way wrong. Michael O'Neill's top with thirty-eight point four percent win percentage. Mm, then it's yeah. uh, then it's Paul Dog or Pew Dog, however you want to call him. Tony Pulis, thirty-six percent, quite impressive actually because he was there for so long. Yeah, and I think that's so that's over his two spells as well. Should double check that, but. Anyway, uh, Mark Hughes is next. He was actually he was the manager who guided them to three consecutive ninth place finishes, I think. And his win percentage was thirty five point five percent. God, he he was there longer than I thought. I just yeah. remember him 
essentially getting Stoke relegated, really. That was poor Lambert. No, there was Hughes who got sacked and then Lambert came in, didn't they? But they yeah, were already yeah. pretty far gone by that point, weren't it they? It was all crap. And then obviously came out bomb. Yeah. So, well, I split them into kind of two groups anyway, didn't I? But, you know, you win some, you lose some. What's the next one, Justin? I want you to tell me who scored the most goals last season out of these four players. Oh, God, okay. Sam Gallagher. <laughs> Fucking hell. Marcus Force. <laughs> Will Keane. Chad Evans. Uh fine but i'll put sam gallagher bottom i think he did score a few a surprisingly high amount but i don't think he scored that many will Keane scored a few for wigan i think he got double figures did chet evans get double figures i'm not sure i don't think marcus force did so i'll go gallagher force evans keen but in reverse order you're just out. You so you've got Force and Evans the wrong way around. Oh, really? You have, oh, yeah. He's got That's more unfortunate. Than I he did. That's unfortunate. Yeah, Wilkin got double figures. He got twelve. Well, really impressive goal return because Wigan were terrible for periods last season. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's, he's flourishing at Preston this season. And it's Marcus Force with ten. Marcus Force with ten. Of course yeah, he's got double figures because that side under Carrick was just swashbuckling. Yeah, but I thought Chad Evans scored quite a few. A surprising tally for him last season. But well, you know, I want to say he was, he was injured for the last couple of the months of the season, wasn't he, with that neck problem? Um, but he scored nine. Yeah, good point. He scored nine. Then Sam Gallagher scored eight. No disrespect to Sam Gallagher, but I'm still unaware of what he does on a football pitch. <laughs> good looking bloke, though. Yeah, great head of hair. Yes, great jawline as well. We're a big fan of jawlines on this show, aren't we? We'll always. Jawlines and hairlines. Yes, <laughs> two things neither of us have. <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, let's go for the final one, Justin. Come on then. It's uh, it's Valentine's Day next week. Uh, next week, sorry, next next Wednesday. So mm-hmm. put that in the calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Treat your other halves. So I want you to I want you to rank the most popular Valentine's Day gifts purchased for for partners. That's a good question. The gifts are flowers, chocolates, perfume, and house plants. Okay. Are they not in the same category as flowers? So flowers are flowers and okay. I've got a house plant behind me that I look after on a day-to-day basis. And yeah. It's not the same. Right. Well, surely chocolates. Oh, it's flowers. Flowers or chocolates. This is another one where I'm separating it into two. It's, it's going to be flowers or chocolates top and then the other two at the bottom. I, I'm going to go with chocolate. Chocolates, chocolates, top, top. Okay. flowers, second, perfume, third, houseplant, fourth. You underestimated the power of a houseplant. Oh, really? It is just above perfume. So you were you were spot on, other than houseplant. Oh, and just perfume. got those two mixed up. Oh, that's so annoying. I don't that know who's so close. Yeah, so chocolates top, then flowers, then houseplant, then perfume. I don't know who's buying chocolates, like. I was thinking about it earlier when I was putting this together and I was thinking, what chocolates do you get for someone on, on Valentine's Day? Just like some Thorntons. I know, I know you're a big bloody CrossFit nerd, but people do eat chocolates outside of the gym, you know? Yeah, but it, chocolates, like you're just coming off the back of Christmas and you're all chocolated out, if that's a word. And then you just you're being thrown being thrown Valentine's Day chocolates, and it's just it's not a a, you know it's not professing love for me, um, chocolates or appreciation. I think flowers and 
even perfumes a nice one. Jewelry was way down, by the way. It was it was low. Really? Yeah, really low. Yeah. Cost living crisis in it, mate. Mm. Yeah, house plants are hard. Yeah, get a house plant instead. <laughs> I can't believe that's so high. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Scott Hire Ryan Low, and this has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been the preview show sponsored by SB. Okay, so we'll be back again on Sunday to look at how our predictions did. So we bloody look forward to seeing you then and reviewing everything that happens in the championship over this weekend, including any newsy bits and pieces as well. So make sure you join us along for the ride there and then. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dills. I've been just a peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.